Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to this special Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls series on wine, food and travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. For the next weeks, we will be focusing on a dozen trophy-winning wineries from the competitions that took place in Verona at the start of Vinitali in early April. The winning wines are without doubt some of the very best that Italy has to offer. What I'm most interested in discovering are the stories behind the bottles, learning about the wines themselves, of course, and also about the people who make them, where they're from, what they eat, how they live. It's a fascinating journey that will take us all across Italy, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. In this special Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls edition, I'm delighted to shine a spotlight on Cantina Toblino in Trentino Alto Adige, which has just won the Best Sweet Wine Award at the prestigious Five Star Wines competition that took place in Venetia in April. My guest today is Giovanni Luigi Brumat. Brand and Export Manager at Cantina Toblino, joining me from this important cooperative winery in the heart of the beautiful Valle dei Laghi. Buongiorno Giovanni, congratulations on this important award and thanks for being my guest today. How are you? Good. Thank you, Mark, for uh, this beautiful invitation. To, uh, it is a pleasure to be here. And uh, in a sunny day, it's even, it's even better. So I'm more than happy to talk uh, briefly about our award, our fictitious award with uh, Five Star Wines and uh, about Continue to Bleed. Great. Well, I'm imagining that sunshine in, in your beautiful area. So for our listeners who may be anywhere in the world, can you give us a, a vivid picture of, describe the countryside of where you are so that we can all picture this Valle dei Laghi countryside? Of course. So uh, Valle dei Laghi is a beautiful place located in the southern part of uh, Trentino Alto Adige region uh, near Lake Garda. We are about uh, 10 kilometers from River del Garda. And the valley is uh, characterized by eight small lakes that are very, very helpful even for viticulture because they they retain it during summer periods and they slowly release it in the winter and spring periods. So uh, they have a kind of uh, uh, mitigation uh, function in the area. Another important factor is, of course, the wind that uh, comes from Lake Garda, so a warm wind that usually blows in the afternoon, and the stronger, colder winds coming from the north that are blowing uh, during the late night and early morning hours. So imagine this beautiful valley uh, with the lakes, with a lot of uh, green, with a lot of vineyards that is surrounded by mountains, both in the east, west, and northern side. So we, in this area, you can do almost everything you want. Uh, you can go trekking, you can go walking, you can go biking using e-bikes. Uh, you can go climbing, you can do base jumping. In uh, less than one hour, you can go skiing in the beautiful Madonna di Campiglia, for instance. 
you can do sailing sports in Lake Arda. So it's a really, really nice area, both for everything, for, uh, for nature, for sports, for leisure, for food, and of course, for wine. That's what we are here for. Wow, it sounds absolutely beautiful. So we're just north of Lago di Garda, Lake Garda, uh, into Trentino Alto Adige, around this system of lakes. I'm just picturing the vineyards and the mountains. Uh, it really sounds quite stunning. Now, the Cantina Toblino is a cooperative winery. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Cantina Toblino? Of course. Um, Cantina Toblino was founded in 1960, and at the beginning, we weren't really producing wines. We were just uh, uh, bringing together uh, grapes uh, that were coming from uh, various uh, growers in the in the area. And after a few years, so I would say in 1964, 1965, we started producing the first wines, uh, both bottled and bulk wines, especially from uh, two grape varieties that uh, uh, back then were really popular in this area. And they were both kind of local grape varieties. So there was Noziola for the whites and Schiava for the reds. Um, nowadays, Noziola um, is becoming popular again, we can say, but uh, in 60 years, uh, it has lost more than uh, 90% of the total production in terms of vineyards and in terms of uh, grape produced. But thanks to the, uh, I would say thanks to the awards that you are gaining uh, with our Nuziola, both for dry wines or the sweet wine, as happened with the Pfizer Wines Award, um, we are trying to uh, recover, we can say, Nuziola because it can uh, produce stunning wines. Um, so regarding our history, uh, we can say that in the 1780s there was a huge development in terms of uh, land management and viticulture here in the Valle Villaggi. Uh, with the introduction or uh, spreading of international grape varieties, international training system like the Guyot that was substituting the traditional Pergola Trentina system to allow more, um, let's say, an easier work for the wine growers in the vineyards. And then in the 90s, there was another uh, changing, uh, we can say from a, a low point of view, uh, because in 1993, uh, the Trento Doc appellation was the first Italian appellation entirely dedicated to the traditional method, the classical method, sparkling wine production in Italy. Uh, so that was another turning point that uh, for Cantino Toblino, for the old Trentino, uh, for, because from that point, the growers started to plant more and more Chardonnay for the production of sparkling wines. And then in uh, near year 2000, there was another changing for uh, Cantino Tordino, because we aren't just a cooperative company right now. Uh, we also have an uh, azienda agricola of uh, 38 hectares, from which we started uh, the conversion to organic production and sustainable production. That, of course, over the years uh, became popular in the area, and uh, even more right now, a third, I would say, of our uh, wine growers already use organic practices. So right now we can count on more than 600 wine growers that cultivate around 900 hectares of vineyards, including, of course, the 38 hectares of our Azienda Agricola. And one third, so almost 300 hectares, are already certified organic or in conversion to be organic. Uh, so the organic part is one of the most important things for us. And organic for us means not only a trend in the market, but means quality, uh, because uh, 
we believe that quality not only starts in the vineyards, but starts from the choice of the best plot of land, that the, or the perfect exposure, microclimate, etc., for a certain grape variety, for a certain style of wine. Uh, therefore, everything starts from really from the beginning and ends up in the in the glass. Another major uh, change that happened was in 2007 when uh, we founded also a restaurant. So uh, right now, uh, I would say that our restaurant uh, became one of the first uh, brand ambassadors of our wines and of the food and cuisine of uh, Trentino and Valle di Lago. Right. Well, we'll talk about the restaurant a little bit further on, but it's a really interesting story to see how this cooperative of, of wine growers has evolved over the decades, uh, Italy being a very cooperative country, and in, indeed Italian wine is still cooperative-led, and this award is a demonstration of how cooperatives, um, the best cooperatives, are able to create truly great wine. So it's a very important story as well. Confused. You also have the 40 hectares of the ancient bishop's property. Is that different from the Azienda Agricola? No, it is the Azienda Agricola. That's the Azienda Agricola. Yes, that's right. Because those lands as almost all the lands in Valle di Laghi were owned by the Prince Bishop of uh, the Church of Trento, okay. which was one of the most important ones in Italy after Vatican, I would say. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, we rented those 38 hectares of land and we created the Azienda Agricola Toblino SRL, from which right now, we five years ago, we launched a project called Toblino Vent, that is a project of uh, really premium and super premium wines, especially with uh, some international and kind of local grape varieties that received prestigious awards in the first uh, year, in the first vintage that we launched in 2020. Okay. Now, before we turn to uh, talking about uh, this grape you've already mentioned, Noziola, which is such an interesting grape, I just want to bring attention to something you've also mentioned, the Trento Doc being um, one of the areas of uh, real quality, classic, metodo classico, uh, secondary fermentation in the bottle, sparkling wine. Now, Trento Doc, what does Trento Doc offer that is unique in, in character compared to, say, Francia Corta or Alta Langa? Um, because these are the, you know, the great sparkling wine areas of Italy. And I think they're not so well known outside of Italy and they deserve to be much better known. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I would say that uh, it's not a case that uh, Trento Doc is always linked to the word, to the phrase Bollicine di Montagna, so mountain bubbles, because most of the Trento Doc um, vineyards are located, we can say, above 300 meters above sea level, but the highest sites can reach even 900 meters above sea level. That means that we are talking about uh, uh, mountain viticulture. And so that is something that distinguishes us from uh, other regions that are producing traditional methods of sparkling wines in Italy or, or abroad. So the first thing that uh, we might notice is, of course, the high acidity that most Trento Doc wines have. At the same time, uh, with uh, a really long uh, aging potential, we can say. First, uh, another thing that uh, I have to mention is that uh, most of the Trento Doc is uh, um, associated with uh, the Chardonnay grape varieties, even though 
of course, there's quite a lot of uh, Pinot Noir also, and a little part of uh, Pinot Meunier and Pinot Blanc. Uh, but uh, I would say the focus is, of course, the Chardonnay. Uh, the Chardonnay is the nowadays the second most planted grape variety in Trentino after Pinot Grigio, but for a really long time was the first one. So it it means that Chardonnay for us is important both for the production of Trento Doc and the excellent uh, still white wines. Right now, Trento Doc uh, has uh, quite a good production. I would say that uh, last numbers were between seven and eight million bottles, out of which, of course, Ferrari is the major player. And then there are others, big players, bigger or smaller players. But the thing is that uh, uh, everyone is starting to to do excellent Trento Doc, and uh, every Trento Doc has its own space on the national or international market. So. Uh, I would say Trento Doc is one of uh, uh, the leading uh, productions right now in uh, in Trentino Alto Adige, and uh, of course, is associated also with uh, um, like celebrations, with the sports events. Right now, Ferrari is uh, like promoting uh, the or sponsoring the Formula One, for instance. So, I would say Trento Doc in the now and in the near future will become even more and more successful. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Yes, I think so. And uh, some fabulous, fabulous wines being produced. Uh, some of the ones you've mentioned, and uh, I look forward to trying the Cantina Toblino Trento Doc as well. But let's turn our attention now to this award-winning wine and to the grape that is used to produce it. Your award was for the Vino Santo Puro Duemila, the 2000 vintage. Um, but let's first talk about Noziola. You mentioned it. You mentioned that it was once much more extensively grown in this area just north of Lago di Garda. Uh, what does Noziola have that makes it so well adapted not only to this fabulous sweet wine, but also to the dry still wines? First of all, right now, Noziola has uh, around, we can say, 55 hectares of vineyards. For uh, That means a really, really tiny production. 0.2% of the total vineyard area in Trentino, just to have an idea of, uh, of, what, we're, of what we are talking about. But thanks to uh, all the characteristics of the Noziola, so the high acidity, the quite high alcohol potential, the layered wines that you can uh, uh, you can produce uh, with a, a full maturation of the grapes. So it has all the characteristics that m- can make a really great wine, both for dry wines and, uh, and sweet wines. The thing is that uh, there are other grapes that right now are more popular on the market. So the, even our members, our wine growers are usually uh, paid more for other grape varieties, especially for instance, the Chardonnay or other or aromatic grape varieties like a Bursaminer. So what we decided to do in the, the last couple of years is to bring the level of uh, payment, so the price of the Nozola grapes, almost at the same level of uh, the Chardonnay for the sparkling wine production. Therefore, our wine growers are more than keen on uh, keep on uh, 
uh, we can say, uh, planting or replanting noziola in their vineyards. Because uh, uh, out of, 55, of the 55 hectares existing of noziola, more, almost 60% of that are owned by our wine growers. So we have uh, the honor of bringing this tradition, this grape variety into the future. Okay. Yeah, and that's a really good way to uh, to encourage that since you have that high proportion and amongst your members, uh, you can keep this great variety alive. Otherwise, it was at risk of even being extinct. That's so totally right. And, uh, you know, uh, Noziola, we have tried our best to make those Noziola known worldwide, we can say, even though it's a tiny production. If you think about it, uh, at Cantino Tobino, we are producing, I would say, two really great wines. One of them is the Vino Santo that comes to the market after, let's say, 15 or 16 years of aging. That is a sweet wine. And then we also have another wine called L'Argillère that comes to the market after seven, seven and a half, and a half years of aging. That means that Noziola not only has a really huge aging potential, but at the same time, it allows also, we can say, different winemaking techniques in the cellar to be put in place. In our case, we are using uh, French oak of different size from the barriques until the big barrels of uh, 6,000 liters that we use for the larger. Uh, another wine that we do, we also use acacia barrels. We are starting to experiment with the amphoras. Uh, some other producers are using concrete, concrete eggs. Etc. So it's a really adaptable wine and grape variety. Well, that's really fascinating. Let's turn our attention then to the Vino Santo and indeed to how this unique wine is made. I think some listeners will be familiar with a different wine, the Vin Santo from Tuscany, but the Vino Santo from, uh, from your area, from Trento, is quite unique. Can you explain to us a little bit about this lengthy aging process and the production method? Yeah, first of all, uh, the most important difference is that uh, Vino Santo Trentino can only be made with the Nozzola grapes. So that's the main difference. And if you think about Vino Santo from Tuscany, you can do uh, you can do it with uh, white and red grape varieties. If you think also about the Vino Santo Occhio di Pernice, that can be made with Sangiovese, for instance. So that's the first starting point. And then the, the Vino Santo, a, a little bit of history, was kind of mentioned uh, at the time of the Concilium of Trento because the bishops that were meeting together to like reform the Catholic Church after the Protestant uh, reform uh, were served, we can say, uh, an ancestor of the Vino Santo Trentino uh, because they were talking about a wine that was made with white local grey varieties and was kind of sweet. So with the kind of uh, um, drying appassimento and uh, the like the vinification in oak, etc. But the real uh, story, the real beginning of the Vino Santo Trentino was in the early 20th century. So in 1920, 1930, when um, some producers in the area like... Uh, Rebo, Rebo Rigotti or the family uh, Salvetta, Pisoni, etc., were starting to make their first Vino Santo, even though the appellation uh, came later on. The thing is that uh, uh, the Vino Santo wasn't that popular back in time, especially in the second half of the 20th century, so some producers stopped to make it and started again in the 90s or early 2000s. 
but continued to grow since its first vintage in 1965, never stopped making Pinot So we can say that this year, with the 2005 vintage that uh, came to the market one month ago, we reached the 50th vintage of Vino Santo at Cantina. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So the production starts in the, of course, with the ancient uh, or very old uh, vineyards of uh, Noziola that can be between uh, 30, 35 years old, that have uh, really low production, really low yields uh, that concentrate the grapes. We harvest at the end of September, early October, with different picking days, different picking days, we can say, because uh, we want to reach the full maturation in all the grapes when the grapes turn almost gold in color. And then the drying process starts. We select uh, the grapes, every single grape uh, manually, and we place it in uh, some gratings called the arele, where the drying process starts and can last uh, for uh, almost six months until the early week, until the end of March or early April days. That's an incredibly long period of appassimento. Actually, it's, it's the longest, the longest one that uh, is in the in the wine market, in the wine sector. And after that, we press the grapes with the vertical press where you can do up to five cycles of pressing on the same grapes and we start the fermentation. Uh, the yield of the grape mass is 20, 25%. And uh, after, so the fermentation takes quite a long time because we have more than 400 grams of residual sugar at the beginning. And it stops naturally when we reach 160, 170 grams and 13, 40% in all. Uh, this process of uh, fermentation can last up to two, two and a half years. After that, we keep the wines for additional 12 years in the small oak barrels that can be even 60 years old, those barrels. And... Um, and then one and a half year in the bottle. In the end, we end up with a, a final yield of 10, 12% due to the evaporation that happens in the barrels over those 14 or 15 years. So it's a unique wine. It's a very precious wine, very particular, but at the same time, uh, not tiring because we are pairing the residual sugar with the alcohol level, with the structure, with the complexity. But first of all, with the acidity, the, that acidity, yeah, letting it age and evolve for this lengthy period. It's a fascinating wine, and I love that link back to the Council of Trent, this incredibly important moment in European history when, uh, as you say, it was at the time of the Reformation and uh, very important events happening throughout Europe. I know that uh, Cantina Toblino produces an extensive range of white wines, red wines, a wonderful rosato from La Grine. Um, sadly, we don't have time to to discuss uh, more of the wines, but I, I will. I hope our listeners will look out for the Cantina Toblino name. I'd like to briefly um, turn our attention to the Osteria Toblino and to just if you could talk us through some of the classic dishes of Trento that pair well with the wines from the Cantina Toblino, sort of foods that people can come to the Osteria to enjoy. And this is what I love about um, in tasting wines, is enjoying them, discovering them with the foods that go so well with them. Yeah, uh, Osteria Toblino in, um, changed, I would say, in the 2018 with the arrival of the chef uh, Sebastian Sartorelli, a young chef that had uh, many experience in uh, like Michelin star restaurants and also in um, in various fields 
of the of the food world uh, we can say of the restaurant world um so it uses mainly uh local raw materials so first of all uh, lake fish river fish uh, mushrooms vegetables cheese from uh, trentino so everything that is local and one of the most important elements is also the oil oil that is grown in uh, this area is called uh, uh, casaliva cultivar that brings this very very nice oil it's quite characteristic of the area because it's the highest northernmost olive uh, cultivar cultivated I mean, in the world. Oh, I didn't know that there was olive oil in Trentino Alto Adige. There is, there is, there is. So uh, I would say that uh, the cuisine uh, at Osteria Tublino brings together raw materials from the area, the traditions, at the same time uh, with the gourmet touch. So presenting it in a very fancy, very trendy, trendy way. At the, and of course, as I mentioned before, it's uh, the first brand ambassador of Cantina Toblino and uh, the local grape varieties in, uh, grown in Trentino. Therefore, we pair all of our raw materials, all the fish, the cheese, the vegetables, the mushrooms, etc., with uh, excellent wines from, uh, from the area. But it sounds absolutely delicious. Just give me one um, example of a... Primo with um, with a pairing, wine pairing, and, and a secondo, and maybe a dolce, just to entice our listeners to come and visit you and enjoy this fabulous experience. Yes, I would say the first thing uh, that can be uh, paired with our Largiller Noziola can be a risotto with uh, mushrooms, with different types of mushrooms. Uh, so very uh, like... Uh, Easygoing dish, very typical, but it's almost this, the perfect pairing with our Largiller that is uh, very elegant, uh, quite acidic, uh, structured, complex, very long finish, etc. And another pairing that I would suggest with uh, our Vino Santo, for instance, is uh, another traditional dish called the uh, Torta di Fregolotti, which is uh, a kind of cake made with uh, almonds, nuts, etc. So a very dry cake that is similar, we can say, to sbrizzolona, if some some of, of the listeners know. That is a perfect pairing with uh, our vino song. Well, they both sound absolutely wonderful. And you've been a great ambassador for both Cantina Toblino, but also for this beautiful area, the Valle dei Laghi. And I hope our listeners will be inspired to come and visit you and to discover your wines and also the beautiful area. Thank you very much for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure meeting and talking with you. And I hope that I can come up to the Valle dei Laghi soon and, and actually meet you in person. Grazie, Giovanni. Thank you very much, Mark, for the invitation. I will host you as soon as possible when you're coming to Italy and to Trentino. Thank you very much. And I hope to see you soon. A presto. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast, and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com.
guys, I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.